Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is May 23rd, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And today, Connor Ryan and I get into the question, is it bad for the NHL that uh, you have four teams like Dallas, Vegas, Florida, and Carolina still left? Is this bad for the league or is there some good to be had? We also get into, uh, we get into the best Bruin you'd consider trading. And you may have thought we've talked about it, but we haven't yet. So in this episode, we get into someone who we're not, we don't want to trade or I don't want to trade, but I think it's worth just kind of kicking the tires on it, seeing what's there, considering it at least. Uh, We also get into who are the untouchable players uh, and will people care about the regular season next year after what happened uh, in this past postseason. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I know you're fighting a little bit of an illness. The voice is not, a, the, the pipes are not as strong as they normally are, but the takes are there. The takes we know will be there. The brain is still working fast and furious. Uh, I'm doing great as well. Uh, Taylor Swift Friday night. And Connor, I, I don't know, you know, people who listen to Poke the Bear as well, uh, I said, you know, I'm not much of a Swifty, but I'm going to go and it's going to be fun. Connor, I'm a Swifty now. I, I'm, I'm a, a Swifty. I'm a Swifty. I've been converted. Well, the 10 minute version, just singing that on the drive back down Route 1. Oh, yes. It, you know, I thought, oh, there's no way, you know, we don't want to listen to Taylor Swift on the way home. I've listened to Taylor Swift for the last three days. Uh, there's something about uh, the performance, it was incredible. Um, I, I was hooked. It was just so well done. Three and a half hours straight of just like never left the stage. I mean, left the stage for like a minute here and there just to change outfits. But uh, incredible. I mean, you know, and I was fortunate. I went Friday night, so it wasn't pouring rain. Um, there you go. You timed it up perfectly. You, you're like you like the person who like doesn't go to like any Broadway stuff and they go to like the one, the first show of like Hamilton. And they just like they decided to put like the the this Hamilton soundtrack on like the the barbecue playlist. And they're the only one jamming to it. Not to say that like no one's gonna be jamming and playing Taylor Swift, but yeah, you've been swept up. Evan. You've been swept up. I've been I've been swept up. I, I have no doubt about that. Um, I, it was and Marina Mahar from uh from Barstool who does stuff with you know covers the Bruins. She was in my section, like she was like the next row over, uh, which was which was wild. But it was a fun time, very fun. I think I would have had a different experience if I went Saturday in the rain. I think I don't think I would be as joyful and cheery about it. 
uh, as uh, as I am now because it was I mean, it was a heck of a time and she does a, an incredible thing. And the the traffic was pretty bad. <laughs> the traffic was bad. Um, every which way you looked, but um, incredible performance. I haven't seen a lot of concerts in in my time. I just I haven't. So I feel like I've, as you said, I've, you know, gone to a Broadway show for the first time. And now, like, what's going to compare to this? Um, it's true. I don't go know. On a high note, Evan. Yeah, I got to just start go out, you know, like George Costanza, go out on a high note. So um, incredible performance. Swifty Evan is here. Um, but there's still hockey being played. Uh, I was at the Mass Hockey Festival all weekend, which was fun. Second straight weekend. We're not going to talk about that on here, but it, that was fun. That was the only hockey I'm really invested in right now with the, the Bruins out of the playoffs. But uh, there are still four teams competing for the Stanley Cup. Uh, you got Vegas and Dallas and you have Florida and uh, Carolina. Florida and Carolina have basically played three games at this point. Um, I know you're listening to this Tuesday, so technically four games because they played four overtimes uh, on on in game one. And the thing I keep seeing on Twitter, Connor, is this is bad for the game. This is... This is bad for the NHL. And from the salary cap perspective, 100%. Yeah, it's not, you know, this isn't New York, Boston, Toronto. Um, there are no big markets left. I don't know if you'd call Vegas a big market yet. I, I don't think it classifies as that quite yet. Um, but I got to be honest, Connor, it's an interesting product. It's an interesting yep. product. The playoffs have not been amazing. The second round was kind of, eh. you know, there were a lot of blowouts. And and in this in in the second round here, or in the, excuse me, in the third round, it uh, it you know they're not the most popular teams, but I go back to growing the game. You're growing the game a little bit with these four teams. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean you look at just the situation you have going on in Arizona, and there's a lot of factors that play into that shit show, uh, to put it lightly. But one thing that hasn't helped is having a winning, engaging product out there, and I think you're seeing like. Look at Vegas, right? I mean, they go to the cup final their first year, but that's a market. I think as soon as they announced Vegas as a destination, everyone was like, all right, you'll maybe get some like fans from other teams in there, but I can't see that being a, you know, organic kind of homegrown market there. And they've done a really good job with it. You look at like Tampa Bay. I wouldn't say Florida is necessarily a hotbed. And it's not to say that I think that the Panthers are going to be this fellow powerhouse. But you look at just how Tampa has built their own fan base into an established group there. Um, they're considered a you know pretty prestigious team for for what they've done over the last two decades, right? I think that team and organization deserve a lot of respect for what they've done. It's got to start somewhere, right? Like you can't have it be the, the same old guard for every single playoff. And I, again, of course, would the NHL have liked the Bruins and the Rangers and all these other teams in there? Yeah, of course. Would they have liked uh, a couple of Canadian teams in there? I'm sure. Well, maybe don't shit the bed then. Like at the end of the day, it's like you can bemoan all these circumstances, but you're gonna you're gonna hop on the fact that yes, maybe Florida's not necessarily a a hotbed of hockey fandom, but I don't know. Watch how they play on the ice. Tell me who, you know, are, now, do they not deserve to be there? What they've done so far, right? Do the Golden Knights who have like their fourth and fifth string goalies, are they not deserve to be here? Is because maybe they're not in a traditional hockey market. Does does Winnipeg deserve it? Even though that seems like a complete clown show up there but because they're up in canada there they get warranted so yeah you know it, is it great in terms of maybe the the end result and the final uh you know integers you put on the the season in terms of the the salary and what have you probably not but um i think you'll get a few of these markets that have thrived like vegas or you know dallas that i think has a lot of uh you know people down there 
uh, it's good to see a few of these markets, you know, make do of what they've had and made the most of this situation. So, and again, it comes down to the players on the ice and regardless of where these guys are, um, they've all, I think, done more than enough to prove that they deserve to be part of this final four. Yeah, they deserve it. I mean, look at a team like Florida, who's just on a roll. I, I mean, an incredible roll they're on. There's no reason for them not to be there. There isn't. There, there isn't. And and I know Bruins fans obviously wish the Bruins beat the Panthers, but they didn't. The Bruins didn't. And you look at the way the Panthers just kind of steamrolled the the Leafs, and now they're uh, you know sneaking out wins against Carolina. And you know if you do get this Florida Vegas Stanley Cup, I'm for it. Like I'm all for it. A, a different matchup, um, something different. You know, again, the Lightning were in it a bunch of years in a row, and that's awesome. And they're, again, they're in a non traditional hockey market too. But getting, you know, they've been in the mix for a while now. Um, Florida has not been. Uh, Vegas has not been just because they kind of just entered the league five years ago. Um, and, and you know, Dallas and Carolina are also not traditional markets that we see in this, you know, in the cup final or the conference final every single year. So I'm for it. Some fresh blood in there. I mean, you got Matthew Kachuk, who's, you know, completely uh, owned the, the, the big stage and the bright lights and. Uh, Bruce Cassidy out in Vegas and Jack Eichel, who, you know, look at when you look at what Cassidy has done with with Jack Eichel this year, um, not just turning him into, you know, point producer in the playoffs, but someone who actually gets back and plays some defense and and back checks and gets in passing lanes and things like that. Every time I see a goal, I feel like I see a Jack Eichel defensive play that helps set it up. And it's like, wow, how far he's come. Uh, But again, I, you know, I see the stuff on Twitter and it's like, oh, this is brutal and this is off. It's like, you're still watching. Now, my guess is the ratings are lower. My guess is the ratings will be lower. Uh, no doubt about that. You know, Toronto, New York, Boston, they're not in it. Obviously, that helps a lot. But I still think with what you with the four that you have there, um, and we've talked about it on Poke the Bear in, in terms of things that you can kind of gain from those four teams. You know, Florida with their hard four check, Carolina's long overdue for a run like this. Uh, you know, Vegas is kind of playing for each other. Dallas has a great young goalie, things like that. But I think there's compelling storylines with all four. Um, it may not be, I think, but, you know, obviously, you know, yeah, maybe in the bigger markets, people don't care as much. But I think it does a lot for growing the game in the smaller markets, you know, like are, are people in, uh, in and around South Florida, typically watching the Stanley cup final when it's, uh, you know, when it's, you know, if it was Bruins blues, probably not, you know, and you're growing into that market. And if you have a year where that's the case, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, so I don't know. I, I find it interesting. It's, you know, no big markets. You got to make do with what you got to make do. Uh, and the NHL is uh, certainly doing that. All right, so into what the people really care about. And to, you know, we're kind of touched on the offseason through a lot of these episodes. And one thing I keep going back to with, with trade possibilities, given what Don Sweeney said about there will be big changes and there could be some shakeups. Who's the best Bruin you would consider trading? It does not mean you would trade them. It does not mean we're all in on them. But the best Bruin, and we see, you know, Kevin Paul Dupont's story where he ponders the idea of trading for uh, Connor Bedard, which is, I think, impossible. I don't think there's any world in which Chicago gives that up. Um, and he, you know, mentioned, uh, I think he mentioned McAvoy in there um, as kind of the centerpiece. Uh, we'll get to untouchables in a second. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, there's one name I keep going back to, though, 
on these on these trade talks. And again, I'm just considering it. I'm not. I'm gonna I'm gonna fence it here a little bit, Connor, which people get really annoyed with. But I'm gonna do it because I just want to consider it. I just want to consider it. And you can kind of make up your own things. And as the offseason goes along, people can weigh in. But I keep going back to Brad Marchand. And again, this is something the Bruins, Don Sweeney has never been open to doing. You don't see the Bruins ever trading centerpieces, um, pieces of the veteran core. You know, they're kind of the opposite of the Patriots, whereas Bill Belichick lets these guys go a year before they start to decline, whereas the Bruins are like, come back until you literally can't skate anymore. Like, just keep coming back. Um, And there's pros and cons to that. But Marchand's 35. He's a 15-team no-trade list, $6.125 million cap uh cap hit and he showed some regression this year and it made sense right double hip surgery and still his regression was almost up he was right near being a point per game player um in the regular season but that's one thing that's one guy i keep going back to because i worry about the regression and what you could potentially get for a guy like that he's older and he also first run leaves is your next captain most likely and should be and continues that culture and you need him to do that but if we're considering it, I do think it's an interesting idea. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's definitely interesting in terms of, I think this team's looking at a longer rebuild. But I think when you look at just what this team has mapped out in terms of retooling on the fly, adding new blood, but also keeping some of the the hallmarks of this foundation you want to build. And that's not to say that I think Martian at 35 is like the next wave, right? He's not like the McAvoy, Pasternak, uh, Lindholm. But I think having just uh, a steadying presence and a guy that I think still plays at a pretty high level. Did he regress last year a little bit off of double hip surgery that he kind of rushed back into? Yeah, yeah, probably. But um, I I think you'll get just the way he elevated his game. Probably one of the few guys that elevated his game in the playoffs. And yeah, you can look at the breakaway, what have you. I still thought when you're looking for a guy that that runs on emotion, that runs on drive, I think you got like Martian's a guy that you kind of need to keep in terms of what he brings. Um, as you said, if Bergeron does move on, I think he's your next captain, even if it's for a couple of years, kind of continue to carry that torch as you let that next wave of players kind of continue to settle into their roles. Um, so I think it just depends on where the Bruins view in, in, in terms of um, how drastic they want to make this rebuild, retool, however you want to call it. Like, I mean, for me, I would say most talented guy you move is Olmark, which I think is one that uh, – it would, you know, be a seismic move in terms of you moving a guy that was a key part of your team last year is going to win the Vesna Trophy. Um, but I think you look at that one in terms of retooling instead of rebuilding, you're moving away from an area of strength. You have guys like Swayman and whether it's Brendan Bussey or signing a, a cheaper veteran, like you can still, there's risk involved in it, no doubt, but there's there's a, a method to the madness so you can see how it works in the Bruins' favor. Moving Martian, depending on what you get, right? But for a guy like him, for what he brings at 35, with that contract that I think, barring severe injury, he's going to give you 75, 85 points, still be kind of that guy that's accountable, a good guy in the room, um, you know, holds people to a higher standard. I think there's still value in that. It's kind of the same as, like, a guy like DeBrusque, where maybe you want to move him just because you're trying to get a big piece back, or maybe you're worried about what his next contract is. But in terms of production plus what his contract is this year if you're trying to just kind of retool on the fly don't really move a guy like the press can give you 30 goals at under 5 million unless you see another really appealing offer out there so um is martian gonna be off limits probably not but i just don't see it being a, a feasible thing for what this bruins team is mapping out in terms of 
retooling instead of rebuilding. Oh, there's no way they do it. <laughs> like this is, it's not, again, as I said, it's not a move they would ever make. Uh, but I, I, I just find it interesting what you would potentially get for him. Um, and you're right. I mean, again, I, I just, I think there is a part of me that, that worries that the regression continues. And if he's without Bergeron in the middle, you know, who is his center? You know, does that, how much does that impact his offensive production? Um, you know, and you have, you do have guys on the wing. I mean, Taylor Hall's another one that you, a, a top Bruin you would consider trading. Um, you know, does Bertuzzi get brought back? I don't know. You do have Postdoc, you have Lysel who's developing all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, losing him, you would lose a large chunk of offensive production for a very good price. No doubt. Um, now, if they were, if they were to say, hey, you know what, let's kind of do what they did in like 2014, 15-ish when I, they dealt Lucic and uh, Dougie Hamilton, um, which were bold moves at the time. I mean, those were fairly bold moves. You got a first round pick back for Lucic. We're not going to talk about, uh, was it, was that for the 13th pick or the 15th? I forget. 13th, I want to say. I may have been. I believe that's right, but it, you're, you're going to be a couple of picks off regardless of how you do it, right? Yeah. And, and but so my, my point is that, uh, you know, you, you got worse in the short term with that because you were kind of doing a, uh, on the fly rebuild slash retool. And it actually ended up working out that the pick be damned. Um, it ended up working out well for you. So um, if that's the route that they're going to take going forward, which I don't think they are I, again, you're right. You have a younger core of good players. You wouldn't really want to do that right now. And mar- trading Marshan would kind of um, enhance that. Um, I still think if you did want to, if you really did, want to bo- bo- uh, boost your prospect pool or get draft capital, you'd have to think there are teams lining up to get him. If you were to do it, again, it's not ideal and you don't want to do that. But if you really felt the the pull, um, you know, again, he's 35 coming off double hip surgery last year. I don't I don't know if he gets you a high first. I, I Again, that's hard to get into of what guys are worth. No one really knows, but... Um, Martian's an interesting one. We've discussed Olmark before, so I don't want to go, uh, I don't want to rehash too much of that because um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that this offseason. Uh, but Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall is sort of the the more realistic trade option, the more popular trade option. Uh, what do you think he get? would get in return? Yeah, I mean, that'd be, be interesting to see what exactly. I mean, I feel like there's some team that could maybe move a, a solid piece for him. Uh, you look at where he was just a few years ago being a legit top six weapon for him. And I think he still brought a lot of very positive value. I think he was maybe even one of those unsung heroes uh, for the team in terms of being this guy that was still a few years removed from a hot trophy winner, going to the third line, being more of a defensive role and, you know, doing his pot there. I'm sure, you know, every guy buys into the team, what have you, but still that is a bit of a departure from him. That being said, you wonder if that also hurts his trade value, right, in terms of, like, what his role was last year as opposed to, let's say, it was Hall, uh, Zaka, or, you know, Hall, Krejci, Pasternak, what have you. Um, he puts up 70, 80 points, and his value is a little bit higher. So um, it, it's interesting, right, because I think you could get something about you getting the first. I don't think so. You're getting, like, a premier blue chip prospect. No, maybe a couple of draft picks and you save cap. It's kind of the same with like Olmark, where maybe it's the most important thing is getting a piece or two back that are solid, but also just getting five, six million off the books is where the, the big value is there. But um, 
still a tough call, right? It depends on what you do with that money, right? Like if you go move Hall, who I think is still a very good play in your place with Bertuzzi, I could see that. But if it's then just to sign uh, a middle six guy for 2.5 million and then another fourth line guy, that's more of a veteran for one, two, five and you know, what have you, then I don't really see it. Cause I still think Hall, even though he's a little bit older, um, still brings a lot of positive value, whether it's, going back into a top six role next year or still being that kind of defensive uh, minded player that uh, I think really served a key role in this team last year. But um, wherever he goes, you hope, you know, if he does get moved, it's somewhere where he can still contend because he was one of the few guys who I think elevated his game and, and did what he could to try to push his team over the top. Cause again, you look at so many guys you look at Bergeron and Krejci and um, playing for those guys, but, Taylor Hall is still looking for a championship as well. And he elevated his game, I think, uh, throughout that first round series. Yeah, I definitely left it all on the table. Uh, one of the better players somehow didn't have a lot of minutes in uh, the final couple games, which was another mind-numbing decision uh, from that uh, from Jim Montgomery and that coaching staff. Uh, in terms of untouchable players, you know, we we talk about the, the trade chips all the time. Unless I'm forgetting anyone, I really think there's only two Pasternak and McAvoy. Am I missing anybody? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's probably the yeah. That's about it, right? Um, you know, even like Swayman, you view as part of the core, but again, we'll see what happens this offseason in terms of how they handle it with Omar and his trade clause, and you know what Swayman signing as an RFA. But I think he's very quickly could be part of that next group. But it remains to be seen how this offseason uh, pans out. Lindholm, you imagine, is part of that same core, but I don't think he's still, you know, he's 29 years old. It's not like McAvoy, who's 25, 26, same as Pasternak. Those are the two guys that I don't think you move. It's almost like the Celtics right now, right, with with Tatum and and what he brings. And is he maybe part of what the issue is? Maybe in terms of, like, the leadership void, what have you, but you don't move a guy like Tatum, right? You build around him. You put the pieces. You, you don't uproot one of the foundations of what you're trying to build. And I think with a 60-goal score and Pasternak, a, a guy who's going to be in the Norris conversation for years to come in McAvoy, you don't move him. Because also, I, again, are we talking about Connor Bedard? Or maybe we think about some stuff, but I just don't see that being realistic in terms of what Chicago's looking at. You're going to have a guy like Bedard who maybe he doesn't become – maybe he's like a Jack Hughes and it takes him a few years. You still have him sign dirt cheap for a couple of years and then have a probably bridge contract that's going to look really good. In terms of just the money, no one's moving high-end prospects like that you can make, um, that you can sign for pennies on the dollar. It's just not feasible, and I just don't see what moving Pasternak or McAvoy can bring you unless you're really blowing it all up and getting four or five, you know, two or three first-round picks down the road. Not worth it. No, trading those two don't make uh, any sense to me, just given that you would, if you were to trade, if you were to somehow trade Mac, I mean, if you were to trade one of those two, it would be for another, it would be like a Matthew Kachuk Huberto deal. It would, I don't, yeah. you know, if you're trading them for first round picks, you're basically trading David Pasternak for what you hope becomes the next David Pasternak. Like you've, you've got those yeah. two guys solidified. Um, I'm against trading them for anyone, really. There's only like a couple, but I mean, it'd be like a far fetched trade idea. Um, like if it was, you know, like Pasternak, you know, Pasternak for, for Connor McDavid, you know, something like that. Like, then it's, but that's never going to happen. So it's like, that's not even, you know, worth getting into. But anything realistic, um, I don't move those two guys. Um, the rest of the roster, you want to pitch me with a trade idea? I'll listen. I will listen. And I think this front office will listen. Um, 
Again, you know, if it's uh, Swayman's the guy of the future, if you want to get crazy and start talking Swayman trades, I'll listen. Doesn't mean I'll agree with you. Uh, but when it comes to Poshnok and McAvoy, those are the two guys. So I'm really like, eh, I don't really feel like getting into all that. And I know people are probably passionate about the Marshan stuff. Like, what's what are they talking about trading Marshan? It's like, no, like, we're just kind of feeling it out. You know, this offseason could present some changes. It may not. But I think it's important to talk about those things. And it's interesting. It's fun. And it's May 22nd and it's the Eastern Conference final and there's not a uh, heck of a lot else to talk about. I do want to part with this before we before we end. Uh, You hit on it a little bit. You know, if if they went out and dealt pieces for salary cap and really didn't get much in return, just more cap relief. And then they went out, really didn't sign anybody. Next regular season, you and I have talked about this on the side. Um, This regular season, fans were into it. You know, it was a, a last dance type feel. Um, the the passion was incredible. Uh, people were excited, uh, you know, and that doesn't happen every year. It does, that's not the case every season. There are obviously the diehard fans, but to have the whole city and the region and every Bruins fan in the world so invested in games 59 and, and, and 47 and, you know, 63 and things like that is pretty incredible. And... Then it comes crashing down in seven games in the first round. When you look ahead to next season, I, I you know, and we're going to be part of that same crew of, you know, they can start out undefeated through their first 20 games. I think we'd still sit there like, well, let's see what you get. Let, let's see what you are when the playoffs come around, you know, like let's, but do you, I mean, do you think like, do you think they have to do something big this off season to kind of get fans to get back into it? Cause it's not really like them. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's more going to be how they look internally and, and how they want to address things. It can't be again. If there was ever a time where you're like, all right, fans, like, look at what we got here. It was last year in terms of just the, as you said, the last dance and the hype building around that and getting Krejci back and what have you. And again, maybe, uh, again, a hockey trade like a, you know, a Kachuk deal between Calgary and Florida is the move they need to make in terms of improving. But I don't think they're just swinging a trade to get fans involved or get fans excited uh, going into next season. Right. I think uh, this is a team that is cognizant about their contention window. And also I think is cognizant of, listen, we can't keep trading first round picks or we keep, can't keep doing all these things just to try to, um, you know, keep on buying in. We have to, you know, take a long look at the roster at our, at our assets and see what the, the proper move is. If it is moving uh, a couple of NHL-level players off this roster in terms of, um, you know, draft capital, what have you, that I think that's probably whatever they view is the best option. But I don't think it's based around, um, you know, getting the fan base excited. That was that was last year, right? That was the hype building around that. You're not, as you said, you're not going to have that again. Quickest way to win it back is to go further in the playoffs and not have a crushing result like that. And again, you're probably going to have a lot of skepticism next year. This team could start off 9-1-1, Evan, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in November and be surprised by a few guys pulling on the rope and playing at a high level, and it's a, a good sign. But I think that level of skepticism is going to be creeping back here, right? That's what uh, – that was one of the, the the sins of this past season, right, is I think whatever happens, you're going to have that, yeah, but part of it, beyond all of it, right? And that's just that's the way it is. Goes. And we were, we kind of pushed off that skepticism this year. We were like, no, like enjoy the regular season. There's a team built for the playoffs. There's no reason to think they won't go deep. And by the way, we weren't the only ones saying that most people were saying that. And I think everybody was right to think it. Uh, but next year, yeah, we're going to be skeptical as hell. 
We have to be. You, you can't possibly not be um, after what just uh, what just transpired. But uh, anyway, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston.com uh, and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to be covered throughout this offseason as we get through these slow couple of weeks here. But whether it's free agency trades, uh, dev camp, all that stuff, we're going to be covered every step of the way this summer over at Boston.com. So please read over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 